Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Business Consulting. Each week we chat with amazing guest experts all aimed at helping you grow your VA business. So sit back, grab a cuppa and tune in for a fun-filled episode. Welcome listeners to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants. And we're recording this today on the 10th of March, 2021. And this episode will likely go out on the 26th of April. But who knows, if I mess up again, it might go out sooner. You never know. (laughs) It's been known to happen. Well, let's face it, we've done so many of them now. It's you know, it's it's only one that's kind of double bubble, but yeah, maybe that was a special week for us. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But we're over four thousand three hundred downloads, Joe. So um, we're doing very well. I'm very, very, very pleased with it. And uh, I've just just got um, agreement from. Um, we're going to have a, a reappearance of our opening guest, Amanda Johnson. She's going to Ooh. come back and close off the year for us. So she's going to be episode number 52. And uh, and we're going to have a nice chat about how this year has turned out because we launched right at the beginning of the pandemic. May 11th, we launched. That was our first episode. I think it was May or was it March the 11th? I don't know. Back no, it can't have been March the 11th. That's the day we got back from America. So May the 11th, we launched. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we will have only taken one week off. We will have only had one week's break from one, one week that an episode didn't go out and one week that two went out. So yeah. <laughs> we equaled it out. So it's very exciting. I've asked Amanda if she'd like to come back and, and we can do a, 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 a re- review of yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that's going to be fun. So uh, so we, we recorded the last episode just yesterday. So it's kind of a bit difficult to say, <laughs> what have you been up to since yesterday, Joe? But you've been ticking things off your to-do list, haven't you? Yeah, I, I've had a, a morning where I have just zapped through um, quite a lot of those niggly little things that you think oh I'll come back to I'll come back to I'll come back to and um yeah just tidying up kind of the some of those things on the to-do list that I've been putting on what they call the long finger I, I know I have to do them and it's it's all the things that I don't really enjoy but have to be done every so often and so yes I've ticked a few of those off so it feels like a very productive morning this morning so I'm quite happy yeah I love mornings like that it's great when it feels so productive so yesterday after we finished with the podcast I carried on um, adding captioned videos to the new course perfect powerpoint creation I've now uploaded all the ones that I currently have so I have another 40 or so that need to be captioned and transcripts generated so that's a big job uh, and that's going to happen over time I'm not going to be able to do that all in one go Um, it's just (laughs) too much too much Mm. too much too much but this morning has been quite fun Um, I've been doing odds and ends I've got some more training coming up for Microsoft Teams I've got a big workshop that I'm doing for Miss Jones PA in at towards the end of April April the 29th listeners if you want to come and book on that it'll be a paid workshop um, but it's going to be a 90 minute interactive workshop so that's got to be planned to be within an inch of its life 
Um, next week, as you know, Joe, I'm doing a webinar on Teams for IMA, IMA, yeah. uh, and that's got to be planned because I've I know what's going to go in it, but I haven't planned the session. So, mm. any of you who think that delivering a training course is turn up and just talk about what you know, um, it isn't like that at all. Um, a a one-hour session or a ninety-minute session can take the best part of a day to put together, to put the timings together, to work out what you need to talk about, to get your examples ready. And often you have to create stuff and then delete it so that it's not there when you deliver it. So yeah. um, you have to rehearse. So yeah. uh, there's all that to do. So that's that's going to be on the agenda tomorrow. And I'm going to apologize in advance. My phone just beeped to tell me we should start recording this episode. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I'm actually we're actually waiting for the plumber we've got a leak under our sink and he's going to phone when he's on his way and he's going to phone my phone not my husband's phone so my phone's here and if it rings I'll try and edit it out but I will have to answer it because <laughs> a leaky sink is not something you want to have for very long we've got a bucket there at the moment so 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 yes if the phone goes my apologies apologies so what are you going to be doing this afternoon Joe? after we finish so after we finish this podcast I'm it'll be short lunch break um I'd better check the rabble because they go back they're still here until they go back to school um and then I've got a couple of proposals to put out this afternoon for GDPR um, reviews and supports via sort of a, a package of one-to-ones with people. So, yeah, get those out and done and dusted before the end of today. And I have decided to make a start on reviewing my website. I had a copywriter look at it and then I wanted to cry. So <laughs> she sent me a questionnaire. I looked at it and thought, oh, my gosh. I, I, so I have to address that quite quickly, too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. it's all going, JLB Towers, as they say. Excellent. That's all. It's what we like, though, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to yeah. be sitting there doing nothing. So, and as long as it leads somewhere and it's productive, that that's the best thing. But talking of productivity, we are going to be talking today to Adrian Savage, who is the automation expert, and um, but very specific stuff. He's he's all about email automation, email open rates. And he has a an email dashboard, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. And uh, I'm very excited to be talking to him and to pick his brains and find out what he does. He's he's certified in a couple of the email, big email packages. So I think this is going to be a cracking episode. So um, without any further ado, I'm going to go and get him. See you in a minute. Welcome back, listeners, to the podcast. And we now have with us the awesome Adrian Savage, who's going to help us unpick all things email marketing, which is something that a lot of VAs get tasked with implementing, isn't it, um, Joe? But before we talk about that, Adrian, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell them what you do and how you got there? What, what made you do this? Brilliant. Thanks, Shelley. And yeah, thanks to both of you for inviting me because I'm loving doing podcasts at the moment. It's a brilliant way to share as, as share my message with as many people as possible. Um, so what do I do? I guess at the core, I'm a geek. I've been a geek since I was seven years old when my dad brought a computer home um, in the early 1980s. Um, 
and he was about to throw the computer out the window. So seven-year-old Adrian read the manual and taught dad how to use the computer. And I've been kind of cast as a geek ever since, I guess. Um, didn't discover entrepreneurship and business until about 10 years ago. I went through the usual computer science at university, get married, have kids, get divorced, um, remarry. Um, and then when, when my ex-wife moved to the other end of the country with my kids, then that was the catalyst for me to have to do something different because I went from seeing my kids once every, you know, twice, two or three times a week to every third weekend. And that, that was a killer. They were about probably about 10 and 10 and 13 at that point. So I knew that if I didn't make a big change, I wouldn't have a relationship with my kids. Mm. So that prompted me to quit my job. Um, and as a geek, I was already kind of, I guess I was destined to end up where I have because I learned all about marketing and sales and things like that, joined some mastermind groups. And the people that I met in those mastermind groups they were all, they were, as soon as people talked about marketing and automation and email, the majority of those people started looking like rabbits caught in the headlamps. And there was I, the geek, making notes saying, yeah, this sounds pretty cool. I can do that. So I started to get clients that way. Um, so for many years, I was a fairly typical Infusionsoft consultant, started working with Active Campaign as well. But one thing that I found was a lot of people really struggled to get their emails into the inboxes of their audiences. Yeah. And in the early days, when I was still a bit wet behind the ears, I would lose clients because I couldn't solve their problem for them. Um, and then as time went on, I found ways to solve this. Firstly, I created my own software. Being a geek, it's quite cool sometimes because I can create solutions that other people might struggle with. So back in about 2015, I put some software together called Readliver that helps Infusionsoft users, or it did back then. And then I carried on doing kind of things like agencies and all this other stuff that didn't really work for me until I suddenly got this big kind of thump on the head metaphorically a few years ago that actually, if I just spend more time helping people specifically with getting their emails into the inbox, then I might enjoy myself a bit more. I might be able to help people a bit more. Um, and also there is less competition because there are very few people that have gone as deep into this subject as I have. So while I'm very geeky about this, the good news is I do take the anti-geek pills and make sure I'll keep things as simple as <laughs> I can because it is very, very easy to get sucked into this and see all these acronyms and scary things to think about. Um, but as long as there's a couple of very basic things people remember, then it doesn't have to be difficult and you don't have to get overwhelmed. So I'll try and share what I can as we talk today, but I am going to keep it as simple as possible. And please you know, smack me around the head if I get too geeky on any of this. Sometimes, the, sometimes you need to go a little bit geeky, but most of the time it's trying to keep it as high level and easy as possible. Because particularly if you're a virtual assistant, then it's very, very difficult to, to pretty much sometimes tell your clients that they're getting it wrong. Sometimes they're going to tell you to do it a certain way. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, particularly after you've listened to this podcast, is going to be to gently maybe retrain some of them and maybe remind them they need to do things slightly differently. Because sometimes when someone spends a lot of time and a lot of money building an email list, common sense tends to go out of the window. And we'll probably talk about that later on. I know I've digressed a bit, but that's kind mm. of where yeah. I've come from, how I've got here, and hopefully a few things that we might talk about today. Oh, yes. that all sounds very exciting. So Joe is is geeky by nature as well. Uh, yes. And I'm an IT trainer. So, so that puts me firmly in the geek <laughs> camp. So three geeks together. It's we should have lots of fun, shouldn't we? I hope our listeners think so anyway. So um, so let's I, I was looking um before we came on this morning, I was I was having a, a nose around uh, and looking at um, a couple of Facebook lives that you've done fairly recently, I think, about deliverability and engagement. So what does 
email engagement mean in, okay. in kind of layman's terms? So this is great that you started with this because this is probably the one most important thing that people need to always, always take into account. There's some things you need to just set up once and get right, but engagement is something where you just have to pretty much bear this in mind forever. This is the thing that matters the most. And what engagement is very simply is whether or not people are reading the emails that you're sending out. And it, you can go beyond that. It could be they might be replying, they might be clicking on the links, things like that. But at its very, very simplest, we want to make sure that the emails that we're sending are being opened and they're being read by people. And anything beyond that is a bonus. But obviously the challenge that we've got is we don't always know what's going on. But that's the simple answer. And then you know we can go into a bit more detail, but let's suppose you're using MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or something like that. The only thing we can really see that people are doing are opening emails and possibly clicking on the links. Anything beyond that, we start to become blind fairly quickly. Yeah, that's it, that, Yeah, go on and joke. But, on. Well, I was I was going to say it's it's really refreshing to hear somebody say that it's more about how many people open your email because there's an awful lot of drive in certain areas to say the bigger the list, the better the list. Mm -hmm. But it it really I've always maintained that because I look at it from two perspectives, but I've always maintained that a, a smaller list with more engagement, more opens, more click-throughs is more important than a very expensive large list with totally. much less because you don't get the return on investment, do yeah. you? So it's, it's a really refreshing view that you have. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing. The world has changed massively. You know, in the good old days, 2015, 2016, it was still the case where you could just build the biggest list you could, you know, as many people as possible, yeah. and then just mail the hell out of them and keep mailing them, keep spamming them almost yeah. until they buy, they die, or they unsubscribe. Yeah. And there are still a lot of old school marketers out there, yes. um, probably hitting their poor VAs around the head sometimes, <laughs> still insisting that that is the way to do it. Yes. And unfortunately, those people, are slowly but surely coming a cropper they are starting to really fall over because if you carry on doing that now then you're going to end up in google jail and you'll have a 0.25 open rate like some of my clients who've come to me in a panic oh, wow. in the past mm. so absolutely these days it's very much about quality much more than quantity. quantity and as you said joe i would much rather have a small highly engaged list than a large list with a hundred thousand people on it where you're getting a three percent open rate because that is virtually worthless now yeah 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 so i'm an active campaign user and i was i went off to scurry and look up my figures before we came on so i get um, the engagement on the dashboard there tells me that I am this week, I'm at 57%. Sometimes I'm higher, rarely much lower. Um, but what I don't understand is when I look at my campaigns, because I'm a bit kind of nerdy like that, I go and look each week at the reports and see, I don't seem to have as many people opening it as 57% engagement okay. seems to suggest right. so where does that, that that's confusing to me and I'm you know that's right. confusing. okay so let's let, let's see if we can demystify <laughs> that so when you talk about the engagement there is that on my health check or is that a different way you're seeing that and um, when you just go into active campaign on the dashboard got it and, okay so and there, they're showing engagement at that level they they okay. show I'm just going to get it up so that I can tell you exactly what it says 
um, because that will be the most useful. I know it's horrible when I'm training people and they give me these whole kind of things and <laughs> <laughs> interaction rate. Sorry, it's not engagement, it's interaction rate is what they label it. Right. And it's it's 57 percent. But if I go into a campaign that went out um, last Thursday, which was that one, I can see on the report, if I go to opens and reads, um, less than, well, about a third of the list have opened it, if that. Okay, cool, makes so, sense. No, okay. more than a, no it's, that's more than a third of the list, but yeah, it's yeah. not a percentage, mm -hmm. but anyway. Okay. So, so that's a, what's that's the a difference? curious one, um, because I'm not sure, that this is something where I have to confess, I haven't looked at that stat inside Active Campaign, is I would have to go away and look at what that interaction rate means. Yeah. Um, what I'm guessing is they're probably aggregating it over a certain period. I've That's just clicked I'm... on it and it's just told me. Aha, uh -huh. what does it say? Let's, <laughs> it let's... says average opens slash clicks over last 10 campaigns. Ah, okay. Oh, so so I'm assuming if some of those campaigns went to a very targeted part of the list where it might have been just customers or something like that, you'd probably get a higher open rate and that will push the average up. If it's going to the whole list where people are less likely to engage on an ongoing basis, then that might explain why that pushed it up. But there, there can be lots of different yeah. um, reasons. But it's interesting you, you, you cover that question because while you know Active Campaign and pretty much every other email platform will look at interactions and engagement like that, and they'll look at the open rates, what I've started to focus on, and this, is, this has been what really transformed the way that I worked with my clients, is that rather than looking at the individual campaigns, what matters much more is what proportion of your audience has opened something in the last week, in the last 30 days, in the last 90 days? Because we're not really bothered about how often people are opening, although that is very important and that's something that I'm starting to focus more on. But the thing to bear in mind when we're looking at engagement is the more unengaged people you send emails to, the more you are damaging your email reputation every time you send something. And this is the thing that a lot of people still aren't all that aware of. Now, interestingly, Microsoft, who run Office 365, they run Hotmail, Outlook.com, and so on. They, over the recent, I don't know, months or years, I don't know exactly when they reached this, because this is testing that other people that who's, you know, other people done a lot of testing, and I respect what they've done here. So what they have come back with is they say they have got evidence that shows that Microsoft consider a contact to be unengaged if they haven't opened anything in the last 15 days. So that's just over two weeks. Um, and therefore, if you continue to send lots of emails to people that haven't opened for, say, six months or more, then Microsoft are going to see that, as far as they're concerned, what you're sending out isn't important to those people. They will see you as a poor quality sender. And the more you persist sending to unengaged people, the more likely they are to put the emails that you send out into everyone's junk folder. So that's that's one that of the reasons really that managing your engagement matters so much. And while we know that Microsoft has 15 days, which is a very tight threshold, then it looks like Google probably consider you to be unengaged after about 30 days. And I know there's some tests that I've done there where I have the Gmail app on my iPhone. Mm. And unsurprisingly, I'm on lots of people's email lists and I don't always open everything. So every now and then, when I've left something for, say, a month or longer, I'll open the Gmail app on my phone and a message appears at the top saying, do you want to unsubscribe from John Smith's emails? You haven't opened there. You haven't yes. opened anything for a while. Oh, so, I get that. Yeah. So Google are actually encouraging people because it's not in anyone's interests to encourage people to send emails when they're not engaging with them. And here's why. 
Google want to make money out of you. Now that's no great shock, right? Um, but bearing in mind that Google, you know, Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo Mail are all a similar model. It's free to the user, but it is funded by advertising, which means that they, they can only show adverts if people are opening emails. So supposing I'm sending emails out and my audience are not opening those emails, it means that Google can't make any money out of the emails that I'm sending. So they will start to dislike me and they will be more likely to put my emails into promotions or even the spam folder. So it's in, so from a commercial point of view, Google are going to reward people email people that open them the most. So if I've 50% open rates, that's much better than a 10% open rate. So as we'll talk in a minute, that means that we start, we need to start manipulating the figures in our favor because once yeah. we understand what Google's game is, once we understand what Microsoft's game is, we can start to stack the odds in our favor. And this is where, you know, particularly um, as a virtual assistant watching this or online business manager, anyone who's helping people with their emails, if you can get this message across in a way that hasn't got to your clients yet, then that is going to suddenly give you a superpower that most of your competitors don't have. Because yeah. being able, if you can go to a client and say, I can help you double your open rate, then that's quite a good big fat claim to be able to make. And then the nice thing is, if they then tell you to put your money where your mouth is, what I'm going to share today is exactly how you can do that. Well, I now, was just going to ask you that question. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm going to be very honest here. Um, what we're doing here is we are not initially getting more people to open the emails. What we're doing here is we're going to do a mathematical exercise. Oh, so great let's, supposing, <laughs> let's, keep it, let's keep some nice, simple numbers, okay? Let's say we've got, we've got an email list of 1,000 people. And let's say that when I send out an email blast, then 150 people open that email. Then if my math is right, that's a 15% open rate. Yep. Now, the chances are that a lot of those 1,000 people either will have never opened anything, in which case we should have given up on them long ago, and maybe a fair chunk of them haven't opened anything for six months, 12 months. So what we would normally do is we would identify out of that list of 1,000 people who has opened something in the last, let's say, 90 days. That's a good starting point. Um, and let's say that gives us 500 people. So we discard the other 500 for now. We might come back to them later, um, but we'll focus on the other 500 that opened something recently. We send an email to those people. Now, again, it'll, it'll roughly be 150 people that open because we've just, we've just cut out the people that don't normally open anything. Yeah. But then the mathematics say that's oh. going to give us a 30% open rate, not a 15% one. So, hey, presto, it's taken about 60 seconds to run a report on the email platform, and suddenly you've doubled someone's open rates. Now, this is only the start of the process, though, because obviously that doesn't really help much. It doesn't get you any more people reading your emails. But what it does do is it starts to reinforce with the Googles and the Microsofts of this world that you're actually sending out quality content that people actually want to see. And the good news is if you really scale back your engagement management, so you're mailing people that have only opened in the last 30 days, then you can get as high as 50 percent open rates. And this is why you can't really compare one person's open rate with another, because yeah. it depends very much on how they're managing their audience. Obviously, the higher the open rate, the better your reputation is going to be. And this becomes really powerful when new people sign up to the mailing list, because they are much more likely to see those emails land in the inbox rather than having to go fishing out in, around in the spam folder. And that's where what I call the virtuous circle comes around, because the better your, the better your reputation, the more likely new people are to see your emails. The more likely they are to see them, 
then the better response you will get from those new people, which if you're spending thousands of pounds or dollars a month on Facebook ads, that suddenly becomes really important because you're yeah. pretty much burning money if well, you don't manage your yeah. engagement. Um, and then it, it thus goes on. So you'll be mailing far fewer people, but as time goes on, more a greater percentage of those people and the greater real number of people will start to open those emails. So after three months or six months or whatever, then not only have the open rates as a percentage gone up, but as long as there's some kind of lead generation going on, then the actual number of people yeah. will increase as well. So yeah. it does take time. You know, you, there's the quick fix where you can change the percentage pretty much overnight, but then you have to keep your nerve and carry on. And you know, that's that's the simple version of wow. it. There's a lot more that you can do. Yeah. But that one thing alone is enough. Now, the challenge you've got is that a lot of email platforms don't make it that easy to find the people that have opened in, in the last 30 days, or the last 90 days. You know, I feel very sorry for someone using ConvertKit because they pretty much locked away every possible form of getting that information. Um, you know, MailChimp, it's kind of hidden away oh. a little bit. Um, Keep an infusion soft is a bit easier to find. Active campaign, unfortunately. Excuse me, Excuse me one second. Okay. I'm just going to pause recording. Okay. Well, sorry about that, listeners. My phone rang. The plumber turned up. Well, nothing, nothing like keeping it live and real. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> we are real people. So I found that I was really finding that um, completely fascinating. So do you advocate if, if you go through, if you can go through your list, if you're in a system that can, like I'm, I'm with active campaigns, I know I can, because I've got the engaged and disengaged mm -hmm. automations mm -hmm. running. Yep. Now, I'm never quite sure how to trust them. Well, <laughs> yes, this is, I mean, obviously before the plumber phoned, I was just explaining about the different platforms and so on. Active campaign is a very curious one because if you don't have those automations set up, there is no way within the platform of actually working out who has opened something in the last 30 days. It is quite a major failing on their part. Yeah. The good news is they do explain how to set those automations up. But as you say, you can't really trust it because sometimes I work with some clients and we found that not all of the contacts that are on their database are actually sitting in that tracking um, automation. So it's a little bit difficult. Um, the good news is that because most of these platforms, and again, ConvertKit and a couple of those are the big bad wolves here because they don't make this data available even via the API interface. But most platforms allow software to connect to them and download those yeah. statistics so you can use them. So a lot of the, this is why I've created things like my free email health check that will actually download the statistics and show people how well they're managing their engagement because that's what makes the big difference. And also that means it's then possible to actually, you know, even with a platform like ActiveCampaign where you can't retrospectively do it normally, but it means that I can download that data via the API, and then it I can actually then use my Defender software. It will actually tag all of the contacts saying, this contact engaged in the last seven days, this one was in the last 30 days, this one has never engaged, and so on and mm -hmm. so on. So there's generally a way to do it. Um, sometimes you have to jump through a lot of hoops. Sometimes it takes a lot of time, which is why in some cases I have created software to act as a time saver for people. So you know I, what I teach can generally be done without software but I've also got the software available if people want to save the time so it depends how often you're going to do it and things like that but it is there is very much a question of trust because you do need to be able to see it because particularly with something like this let's say you've got 50,000 contacts in your database it's a very big leap of faith to suddenly think oh, I've got to let go of 20,000 of them yeah. and sometimes those are the numbers we're talking about and mm. it can you know like like I said if people have spent a lot of money on something like Facebook ads building their audience over the year 
over the years, it is quite a tough conversation to have with a client when you tell them that this 100,000 or these 50,000 contacts they thought they had, maybe only a quarter of those have actually got any value. And if but they keep mailing the rest of them, they're hurting themselves. Yeah. But don't they, don't they then find themselves paying um, a level you know, like things like Active Campaign, Mailchimp. You, yep. you, you're paying more money the more contacts you have. Totally. So the having a disengaged list of fifty thousand people is costing you, I don't know, a thousand pounds a month. Yeah, Whereas a smaller list, there is. I can only see benefits in having that smaller list. Yep. But yep. maybe that's my. I think in in many cases, and I want to be careful not to make any kind of gender biased comments here. No. Um, but there's a there's there's definitely a fear of loss, and this is my observation. I'm only going to say this as an observation. I will make no judgments about it. Um, but I seem to have much more of a challenge speaking to male clients than female clients about letting go of their big list. Yeah, that's really interesting. It well, is. I think as I think I think traditionally, again, this is an observation. It's just a gut feeling. Men are far more competitive than women are, yes. Yes. and uh, and it's all about winning. And having a big list means yeah. you're winning because you've got more than everybody yeah. else. It's, it's like you know, I, I guess it is. It's a gender stereotype thing where you know men are often conditioned to you know your your you know your your self worth is based on your bank balance, yeah. your audience size, whatever it is. Yeah. And you know this is this is one case where absolutely the, the the size of your audience is the last thing you want to be looking at and it's definitely you know and th this is why i've created the email health check that i've got because it's a free tool that pretty much anyone can use i'd rather have an audience of 10,000 people with a very healthy health score of like 90 or 100 rather than 100,000 and and the health yeah. score is like you know 30. Yeah. I, I work with some clients where they take the, the they take the health check and it's a big fat zero they're they're literally in the emergency room they're, oh they're, they're their performance is that bad so yes it's an education thing but at least you know all of us listening to this now we know how we can help if the client is ready and if they're not ready well you can lead the horse to water hold a big trough in front of them if they choose to die of thirst there's only so much we can do so adrian what would your tips be to vas sending their own email marketing or clients on how to create the content in an email that will build engagement i mean you know we talk about a target market and all of those different things but you know I know from experience, because I am one of these people, hands up, Joanne, I log on to a website because I'm interested in the lead magnet. Mm -hmm. I might not be interested after that. Yeah. Um, and, and so how does somebody go from putting a lead magnet onto their um, website that I download and then giving the content that is going to keep me there? And I guess the other question is that, that comes up with that that you see a lot of debate over is whether you have images in your you know in your email marketing versus just text okay right so there's, I, there's kind of two elements there isn't okay. there to that loving this i'm lo loving these questions these are really cool so let's start with the first one first around yeah. the people that literally want to download the lead magnet and then probably disappear after that yeah. um and this is interesting because i was having a very similar conversation on another podcast that i was doing earlier today and i'm very very outspoken on this um particularly with things like gdpr and pecr yeah. and all these other crazy anti-spam rules and laws yeah. and 
heaven knows what else, but also from a pragmatic point of view, because, you know, because I know that it hurts me to be emailing people that have lost interest. My, my, my stance on this is very simple. I have got no interest trying to convince people who aren't interested to try and read my emails. Yeah. If they vote with their feet and they ignore me, there's the door, goodbye. I'd yeah. rather let them go because having someone who's ignoring you is probably one of the worst. You know, we, we talk about, I'll, I'll, if we've got time, I'll mention spam traps and other nasty yeah. types of email addresses. But actually the most, you know, the most toxic email addresses you can have on your list are all those people that have ignored you. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're mailing 90% of your audience and they're not opening the emails, that's just going to see your reputation plummeting. So much better to have various automations set up that detect this early on. Um, and if it reaches 30 days and someone hasn't opened one of your emails in that time, I would say if there's a way of detecting that, then email them at 30 days and say, hey, you're not reading my emails. I'm going to unsubscribe you unless you click here to stay on the list. And if you go, it's no hard feelings because you know it's, it's very much in our interest just to let those people go. Because let's face it, we probably weren't going to sell the product to them anyway. Um, if they got some value, great. That's really cool. Always happy to help as many people as possible. But, you know, the first rule of sales is a yes is great, but a no is great as well. We don't want all those people sitting on the fence, getting splinters up their backsides. We'd rather get rid of them. And if that means, you know, one of the things I tested out in February was I sent an email every single day to my email list. And I learned so much from doing that. One of the things I saw is that, the unsubscribe rate wasn't actually that much higher in terms of the number of people leaving my list mm. compared with January. In January, I sent eight emails. In February, I sent 28. And, and it was only about 50% more people that I lost through unsubscribes in February, despite sending the e so many more emails. But what I saw there is I was just being myself. I was off, I was sharing stories, value, and obviously I was making offers. If people unsubscribe, I'm cool with that because people are going to be polarized. There, I've had some emails telling people how much they love the, the mails I was sending every day. A couple of people, even though I had a link at the bottom saying, click this if you don't want emails every day, they took they actually got as far as sending me emails saying, you're mailing me too much. So it's like, you can't please everybody, but that's okay. As long as, as long as there's more people that you're pleasing than don't like you, then I would say, let them download the lead magnet, send them the follow-up. If they unsubscribe, then great, let them go. If they just stop reading your emails, find them, let them go, goodbye move yeah. on it's really interesting it's really interesting because I have a few lead magnets around and it's only really in the last few months that I've started to have proper um, automated sequences following on and mm -hmm. I actually got Gary who's been on the podcast my copywriter to write this read well I wrote the first one and then I said Gary make this better and he made it much better yeah. um but but now so i i have a lead magnet um for my top eight microsoft office tips that people can download and it is interesting that occasionally you'll get somebody who'll sign up for it and they'll unsubscribe almost straight away yep. the first email the first email wow. tells them welcome and, and there's a sequence i go through all the my weekly email on a Thursday you're going to get my Monday email that tells you what was published last week um, and you'll get the rest of this lead magnet thing and the first I, I still this this made me really chuckle one lady downloaded it and when she got the third email from me she unsubscribed and her reason was too many emails so um, it's taken me many years because I've been in business for a long time. It's taken me many years to understand that actually it's really cool when people leave my list. Yeah, absolutely. And, and time, definitely. Yeah. 
and, and at the beginning when you start out it's like oh they're my people I don't want to lose them and then eventually you realize that you actually can't afford to keep them yeah, because very, very much so you're going to hit gonna... the next level yeah also a... sorry the I was going to say the important thing is it's not about you either it, it's it's a very emotive people do when you have these conversations think oh, they don't like me but it isn't yeah, it's about nothing to do it's, that. it's mm. nothing to do with whether they like you or anything like that you know for some it's they can't bear email in their inbox for some people it's just not their thing and if it's not their thing great you, you know but it, I think that is a valid point to make to people it's yeah, not yeah. about yeah, them so. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, you know, I, I remember when I got my first spam complaints and it's like, oh, my gosh, they've reported me for spam. But now, you know, fortunately, what I'm sending out is OK. You know, I, I get a spam complaint every month or so. So it's not a huge number. So I'll wear that with a badge of pride, to be honest, because at least I've managed to polarize myself enough that some people really don't like it. And that's that's fair yeah. enough. But, you mm. know, I'm, I'm going to I've always, I always set myself the challenge of throwing this particular bit in whenever I speak is. The, the biggest thing I can do is recommend everyone watches watches the Frozen movie and just takes advice from the song and let it go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, and that, that applies to your, your audience in general. If they're not serving you and if they're not opening your emails, they're not serving you, let them go. You know, there's, yeah. there's always, there's going to be another one in a minute, just like the number 10 bus. Yeah. So the next question was images or just Content. text? Okay. Yes. So this is where it gets really interesting and I've upset a lot of graphic designers and, and various <laughs> other similar people along the way because this is this is based on data there's a little bit of psychology and gut feeling in there as well but over the years then I have seen so many people test this so there you know so first off let's be clear there are always exceptions to every rule yeah, and any advice that anyone gives you the golden rule is always test it first don't take it as gospel if someone tells you this is guaranteed and they're a marketer they're a charlatan because <laughs> nothing is guaranteed you've got to test everything yeah. and almost trust nobody um you know if, if i gave you this advice and your email rates decreased then it's like okay this isn't going to work we're not going to keep doing this um because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results so we've got to make sure that whatever we test out we make sure that it is really suitable for our particular audience, because it might be, as an example, if your audience is lots of brand conscious or graphical conscious people or brand designers or something like that, there are certain cases where the advice I'm going to share doesn't necessarily apply. Mm -hmm. But in general, every single test I've ever seen has shown that emails that are as plain and boring as possible and look as personal as possible are the ones that are going to get better open rates and better responses. You know, as soon as people see a nice, big, beautiful graphical masthead, then psychologically, then their brain goes into marketing BS detection mode. So they're mm -hmm. less likely to engage. But before we even get to them opening it, then Google in particular, we, we all know about the evils of the promotions tab. And if an email has typically more than three images in it or more than three links in it, it is about 10 times more likely to end up in the promotions tab. So the golden rule really is to minimize the number of images. Don't have something at the top. Ideally, maybe have an image somewhere in the middle of the email to emphasize it, or it might be the thumbnail of a video you want people to watch or something like that. Maybe another little image in your signature if you want a little photo of yourself. But it needs to look like the email came from your Outlook or your Gmail or whatever. So it should be all on the left-hand side of the screen. It should be black and white, you know, and it should start, dear Joe or hi, Joe, or whatever. Just, you know, it's just, it should, it should be like a normal personal email. People should be expecting it to be you talking to them. 
And the more it looks like that, so the no, more people are going to be receptive. You're saying mm, so not no put, logo not in the header role. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was absolutely. You know, yeah. you know, if if you're sending an email from your Gmail or, or your Outlook, does it start with a big graphic at the top? Most people's don't. Most people. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Message body, some kind of relevant image if it reinforces the message signature. But the one thing about the signature is please, for the love of all things sacred, do not have five little images of Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube because you're breaking you're, you're, you're breaking things badly in two ways there. Firstly, you're putting lots of little images in there. And secondly, if you've got more than three links in your email, then you're, again, you're more likely to go into promotions. So, so remember the good old days where ah. people have a long form sales letter and they'd have the call to action about 10 yeah. times in the way through. If you do that yeah. now, even if it's the same link, you've got to bear in mind that platforms like Active Campaign rewrite all these links so they're all unique so they can track them. So you need to minimize the number of links. Now, again, every rule has its exceptions. People that send out a monthly newsletter, they might have several links to articles. If it's an e-commerce promotion, there might be 10 different um, things that they're promoting so they still get through and you know amazon and people like that are still very successful at reaching the inbox but in general you've got to work out is the potential of lowering your deliverability and your open rates worth putting the extra links and images in there sometimes it is worth it other times it isn't so again you've got to test both ways and see what works but as a general rule of thumb the fewer images and the fewer links the better and make it look as personal as possible that's the that's the real golden rule but as i said there are always exceptions so test to be sure well, that's really interesting because somebody that I've worked with yeah. in the past has always said you want to train your people to click things so that eventually they'll buy something from you. Absolutely. So, and that is still you, very valid. It's but you just, just, so you do need to have links in yes. your emails. So you need at least one call to action because the other thing to bear in mind is that because email is so unreliable and things like open tracking is unreliable, you can't be certain someone hasn't opened your email because it might just be they've got images disabled yeah. on their email client because that's the only way we can check mm. if an email has been opened. However, if you put a link in the email that has to go via Active Campaign or MailChimp or whatever, and that yeah. is 100% reliable. If someone clicks, you know they've clicked. Mm. And obviously, if they've clicked, you can infer that they've opened it even if they had images switched off. So it is very important for every single email you send to always have some kind of call to action, even if it's just click through to a Facebook group or a blog post or, or something like that. Yeah. Even even if it's a pure value add email, still have a link. Don't only have links in there when you're selling, because like you said, yeah. Shelley, you need to train people to get into the habit of seeing that you're sharing good stuff. So then when you do make a sales offer or whatever it is where they can take the next step with you, they are already in the habit of finding out more about what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that is so, so interesting. And it's very interesting what you say about um, the open rate not being a sort of a, a valid measurement, because I know and I don't I can't remember where I read it, but it wasn't that long ago that if you if you email somebody and it goes into their Outlook inbox, if they've got the reading pane open, yeah. they can scroll through the reading pane, but that doesn't show as an open. Absolutely. Because no, they haven't awesome. actually clicked to open the yeah. email out of their yeah. inbox and open yeah. it as a full so screen. 
particularly if all it's doing is showing the text, because, you know, with my geek hat on for a second, the only way they track an email has been opened is they put a tiny little invisible one pixel image in every single email. And that image has to be downloaded from ActiveCampaign or MailChimp or whatever. And if you're in the preview pane and it's not showing the images, that little tracking pixel will never be opened. Therefore, the, the email platform you're mm, using is yeah. flying completely blind at that point, which is why, again, get them to click great you're going to know you know the click clicking yeah. defeats all of that image blocking and preview panes and everything so and you know when people say but i haven't got anything i can put in as a link there's always something you just got to sometimes you know you use your head a bit and do something. yeah 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 that That's, is so interesting isn't it yeah fascinating stuff so what other tips have you got adrian up your sleeve what okay. does your health check do Okay, so the health check, so it's a completely free tool. Um, yes, obviously there's ways that people can work with me, but my main focus at the moment is to get as many people as possible to take the health check. And also I'll mention a checklist in a minute as well. And what the health check does is it works with the majority of popular email platforms now. So that includes MailChimp, ActiveCampaign, Infusionsoft or Keep as it's now known, uh, Campaign Monitor, Constant Contact, Send in Blue, HubSpot. Um, MailerLite. Um, so MailerLite is coming in the next week or two. Um, my, my, my son, who's now 19, is actually one of my employed developers in the business. <laughs> and he is, as I speak, he is writing the code to support MailerLite. So that will be coming Excellent. really soon because I know that's getting very popular now. Yeah. Um, so with all of those platforms, then you can just go to emailhealthcheck.net and you sign up. You'll get emailed a username and password. You have to connect your platform up to the dashboard, which takes a couple of minutes. Um, and then it will give you, normally in about a few minutes, it will give you your health score. And it will say, and this is based on how well you have been managing your engagement over the last 30 days, the last 90 days, and the last year. So it's looking, so what that means is you can't suddenly fix things and you'll see your health score go up overnight. If you've got a poor score, it takes time for it to yeah. improve. But it's a way of seeing how everything is trending. And all of this is based on how well you're managing your engagement. It's not based on anything outside of that because mm. it's an important thing the other thing it also looks at which is probably the best way you can work out what your external reputation is is it will tell you how well your new contacts that have signed up in the last 30 days are engaging and what proportion of those have opened yeah. some. if you're if you've got everything set up well you can get as much as 80 percent of those people opening something in the first 30 days but a more typical figure might be 30 or 40% if people aren't in a good place. So that new contact score is a really powerful way yeah. of seeing what scope for improvement that you've got. Yeah, that's 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 great. I know what I'm going to be doing after the podcast, Joe. I'm going to be signing yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one thing that's important here, actually, because I've just realized that, of course, we're speaking to virtual assistants. There's also what I call. So the health check is part of my deliverability dashboard software and the majority of the dashboard software is free. There's, a, there's an extension called Defender that, that does have a monthly subscription that does certain extra things. But. One of the things that the dashboard has is it has an agency function. So if you're a virtual assistant, then this is perfect for you because what it lets you do <clears throat> is you can create um, what I call a sub account for each of your clients and it will show you a summary of all of their health scores in one place. And then you nice. can go and so then you can proactively go to your different clients and say, hey, I've noticed that you've got a slight challenge with your email at the moment. And then you can actually suggest maybe they might need some extra services from you to actually make some improvements. So that's definitely worth doing. And shall I share the, the link for that as well? You yes, definitely. If, if, exactly. yeah. So it's deliverabilitydashboard.com forward slash agency hyphen registration. So okay. Well, perhaps, perhaps we'll perhaps share that in a... 
yeah i was gonna say if you um, pop me an email over afterwards with anything that you'd like us to share mm -hmm. we'll make sure that it all goes on the web page that Absolutely. goes with the episode yeah. so yeah. listeners you'll be able to just go to the web page on tomorrow's mm -hmm. va on for this podcast and get access to all the links without having to remember convoluted long strings <laughs> of text yeah. which i'll write down wrong if nothing else <laughs> So that's that's great. So that that that's that's amazing. So we've we've learned quite a lot already this morning. I, I, that's yeah. masses, masses. So, yeah. so you, you mentioned tips in general. Um, so the other thing, and again, I'll, I'll share the link after. I've got a checklist that has the most important things because I haven't even talked about my race method yet, which is the no. four main steps: which is reputation, authentication, content, and engagement. Those are the four key areas that if you do everything you can in each of those areas that will maximize the chance of hitting the inbox and i've got a free checklist you can download that explains all of that in a lot more detail as well oh, brilliant um, and i'll share the link to that afterwards it's, it's just deliverability dashboard.com slash checklist but again i'll share that with you shelly so that you can put that on the page as well yeah so fantastic potentially so you know so the, the checklist it doesn't matter what email platform you use and then obviously deliverability dashboard the agency version of that or the health check then that will work with the majority of platforms but it doesn't matter which platform you're using you can always take a lot of this on board anyway because as long as you know mm. we haven't really got time to mention authentication today but if you make sure your email authentication is set up correctly that's a one-off job that's probably the biggest tip that i would give is make sure and i'll go into geek mode for a second and go into acronym city there's something called dkim which is um, how you sign yeah, your emails D, and that's yeah, known as yeah. email authentication and then there's something else called spf which SPF, tells the world yeah. you trust to send your emails you only need to set it up once once it's done, that is going to make the biggest instant boost on the chances of hitting the inbox. So, so make where sure do you do that? Because I've not so, heard of those, or I don't okay. think I have. No, so SPF is something, and again, sorry, this gets so geeky. SPF is something you have to publish in your domain record. So you actually create a specific yeah. DNS record that says, these are the different platforms that I trust to send emails on my behalf. So normally, supposing you're using, I don't know, Office 365 and you're using ActiveCampaign, and let's say you've maybe got, you know, help scouts to help their system, you would need to mention all three of those platforms in your one SPF record. So you need to start doing a bit of Googling and you need to find out, you know, because the, the biggest mistake people make with that is they have more than one. You can only have one SPF record. So you have to basically do a little bit of joining the dots and work out, I need this bit from ActiveCampaign and this bit from Microsoft and this bit from Help mm -hmm. Scout. Um, and if in doubt, that's one area where I would recommend get an expert to do it if you're not yeah. sure. If you get your SPF mm -hmm. record wrong, then the emails you send are more likely to go into spam. And that's something where, again, I can advise VAs on how to do that if necessary. And you know, we do offer a done for you service, but I'm equally happy to train people how to do it themselves as well if they like to do that. Um, that bit is really important. The more important one is the DKIM, which is digitally signing the emails, because with that one, you have to go into your email platform. So in Active Campaign, then there's, there's an advanced setting in there. Yeah. But Active Campaign actually confuse it because they say we will manage your authentication for you. What that means is if you leave that setting selected, it means that you're not signing your emails. And every email you send out is riding on their reputation, not on yours. So it really, really is important. You know, again, ConvertKit, I don't like ConvertKit. Um, they tell you you shouldn't set up authentication unless you've got a list of tens of thousands of people or something like that. And with the greatest That's respect wrong. to them, they are wrong. You need to sign your emails yes. because otherwise you are not growing your positive reputation. So yeah. those two things, really, really important, but they're a one-off. Once you've done it, you can forget about yeah. it unless you switch platforms. Engagement, on the other hand, 
that's something you've got to do all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty much the most important things there are to share, I think. I think mm. that's that's phenomenal. Well, Adrian, I think we've 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 um exhausted ourselves and you actually with what we've learned today and I know I'm going to be doing a few things post this podcast one is signing up for your dashboard and the other is investigating both of those SPF records and and my DKIM which I'd not heard of Um, so I shall be looking looking at how to do that figuring that out afterwards but uh, but this has been fascinating and I think it's really helpful because loads of VAs if they're not managing their own email lists they're tasked with doing stuff for their clients and and I think your point about being able to offer this added value um, like another pair of eyes to say well you could do this or you could do that is definitely a great thing because most people who are the creative person running the business don't have time to be looking and thinking about you know, all of all yeah. of those things yeah. mm-hmm. so i think this is this is really helpful so mm-hmm. i'm going to say thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast Pleasure. today and i shall look forward to getting all those links to pop on the web page and according to my spreadsheet this episode will air on the 26th of april oh wow looking forward mm. to that yeah so mm. that'll be good and we'll be letting you know beforehand when it goes live Excellent. and i i publish publicize it on facebook and linkedin so it gets a fair amount of traction which is really cool so thank you very much for your time today pleasure as always really enjoyed it and always happy you know particularly if anyone needs any extra help and always happy to be contacted um i will you know either help or point people in the right direction so any way i can help please just let me know Okay, thank you. Welcome back, listeners. We just had such a fascinating, non-geeky, geeky chat with Adrian, didn't we? Yeah, it was um, really, really interesting. I, I'm, I'm so glad we invited him in. I think there was amazing amount of value there. What was your key takeaway? Um, I think my key takeaway is something that I've kind of been aware of for a while, which is letting go of disengaged people. So listeners, if you are on my list and you don't like my content, please feel free to unsubscribe and I will not take it personally. (laughs) On the other hand, if you're not on my list and you'd like to get my weekly newsletter and tips, please head over to my website and subscribe because I'd be only too delighted to have you on my list. Um, But it's it's one of those jobs, I think, that as a a business owner, uh, entrepreneurial business owner, when you start your business, whatever time of business it is whether it's me as an IT trainer you as a VA um, when you're offering something to people and they sign up for it you feel oh I've got another subscriber and then when they leave you feel you do feel let down you feel as if maybe you've done something wrong or why didn't they stay or oh I've now only got 99 instead of 100 but at the end of the day that person that leaves is never going to become a client and Mm. let's face it we all use our newsletters it's a marketing tool Um, it's to be in front of our subscribers to keep our name front of mind to help where we can so I, I my Thursday newsletter has um, information. It's it's more informational. It used to be tips. It's now more inf- informational. My tips are now on the blog. So if you want my Microsoft Office tips every Tuesday, they're on the blog. But the newsletter has useful information and any offers that I might be making on my courses will go in the newsletter. Um, or it might link to other people's offers or other interesting things. Um, so it's part of our marketing. And it's something that I know we talked recently and you said yeah. you don't have a list. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. Not you're not selling 
products like I'm selling mm -hmm. products. So it's a different need. And, and I think the point Adrian said about, you know, just because somebody tells you to do something doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Um, is oh, agree. Valid. Definitely valid. So I think my takeaway was was reinforcing that. And I'm going to go and take the health check, I think, and uh, see how healthy my engagement is. Although I think it's reasonably healthy. Um, and I do get people replying to my emails every so often. I, I had one a couple of weeks ago about the books I've written. Uh, and one of my subscribers um, replied and, you know, thanked me for letting him know about all the books I'd written. And he's writing a book. Uh, which was, you know, nice to know. Mm. And he also, he's he's one of my um, students. He's learning on the Teams course. And he said, oh, and I never managed to finish the course. So I wrote back and said, but you do know you've got lifetime access. You didn't have to finish it in five minutes. So hopefully he can go back and, and carry on when he's got some time. So what did you learn, Joe? Some of the stuff around the more geeky elements, um, you know, as as I said recently, I don't have a list, but I help people with their lists and, and yeah. their list management and, and stuff like that. So some of the geeky stuff really was interesting. Also, the question about the layout of the email. Yeah. Wasn't it interesting to think not putting the logo, not putting the image at the top? Very well, interesting. Well, I had heard that before, and I do know that that's the case. And I recently changed what my newsletter looks like. I don't know if you've noticed. So it used to have nice green background, my the green from my branding and the logo at the top. Mm. Um, and I, I simplified it. It's now just on a white background. But I have kept the logo at the top of the email because I feel that I want people to know that when they get it that it's it's from tomorrow's VA um, I might test that and do a couple of campaigns without a logo and see if that generates a higher open rate than the ones with the logo and, and perhaps I will change it and just keep to mm. the branding colors rather than using the image so I think that was that was interesting but that wasn't a new thought to me so mm. which makes me think there's probably something in it mm. <laughs> mm. I had I had heard the question about the images versus the plain text and that's why I was very interested in Adrian's take on it um but yeah there's there's food for thought there yeah yeah very definitely yeah and and I think with marketing certainly something that I've learned over the years is a lot of it is down to testing yeah. um and working out what works for you because what yes. works for me might not work for you and might work something different for somebody yeah. else so I think I will test um, a couple of campaigns without um, branding in and see what happens yeah. so we'll just have to see we'll have to yeah. see but I think Interesting that, times. that was one of our you know well they've all been great I can't say that was one of our better episodes because they've all been phenomenal so I'm going to say that was a really great episode full yeah. of content and all of Adrian's details will be on the website and listeners if you want to get in touch with us I'm Shelley at tomorrow's VA dot com it's joe at jlbconsulting.co.uk no i've got it wrong again jlbbusinessconsulting.co.uk <laughs> yeah. i yeah. don't know why i've got such a block about your <laughs> new email address you can't get it right for love nor money so joe at jlbbusinessconsulting.co.uk and uh, as ever we will be back with you with another super guest next week 
You have been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We will be back with you again next week with yet another amazing episode. See you then.